welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole, and we are already one twelfth of the way through 2019. What the heck? How did that happen? <laughs> one thing that stood out to me about the first month of the year was I was way more social. So I met up with friends after work, did stuff over the weekend, almost constantly all throughout January, which is not like me. It's not like me, not just because I didn't have money before, but mostly because I'm super introverted and I really, really like staying at home and reading books and hanging out. Yeah, but as you may know, my apartment is full of mold and I'm desperately searching for a new place to live. And in the meantime, I decided, hey, it's better to get out and socialize and breathe in some fresh air rather than sit at home throughout the whole winter breathing in moldy air and getting gradually sicker. So I did it. It has been a lot of fun. It's been really cool getting to know people a little bit better, a little bit deeper. And it's definitely been a little pick-me-up in the middle of this really gray winter. But I still notice I totally recharge my batteries by having some downtime alone and at home. And today's guest, Joe, is exactly the opposite. So he is a very extroverted guy. And that's something I was so excited to talk to about him because it's just a completely different perspective on adjusting to Germany as an American when one is an extrovert more than an introvert. So I'll be really interested to hear what you guys think from this episode. I'm going to put up a little poll on social media to see if you guys, especially those of you who are living in Germany, identify more as introverts or extroverts because I wonder if that influences how easy it is to latch on to the German culture here. I have this little growing theory about it all. <laughs> all right, but first up, let's listen to the episode and then head over to social media to give me your thoughts. So here it is. Here's Joe to tell us all about his experiences as an extroverted entrepreneurial American expat. <laughs> My name's Joe Stojak. Uh, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts originally. Uh, I live in Überlingen, Germany, uh, and I've been there for three years. Prior to that, I lived in a small town called Birkenfeld, Germany. I lived there for approximately a year and a half. And then prior to that, I lived in a town called Olstadt, Germany, where I lived for two and a half years or so. So in total, I've lived in Germany for seven years. And how did that happen? What brought you here? <laughs> well, I lived in Arizona prior to this, and I, I'm a contractor for the Department of Defense. And I would travel around uh, doing training events for the U.S. military. And the U.S. military has a base out here in Hohenfels, Germany. And I would travel out here four times a year, about 32 days each time. So I was out here uh, over four months a year. Jeez. Yeah. And while I was out here, I met a, uh, a guy that uh, later had a position that he want, he offered to me in Oberammergau, Germany, at the NATO school. Uh, and when he offered me this job, it was hard for me to pass up because Oberammergau was absolutely breathtaking. It's in the middle of the Bavarian Alps, and it was a great job to get the opportunity to work in the international environment amongst over 29 nations. That, why is there problem. a NATO school in the middle of Bavaria? Does that, <laughs> that seems weird, right? It's a little weird. It's a little weird. And, and the funny thing is, is the NATO school isn't even NATO. It's uh, called the NATO school, but it's really an organization that's a bilateral agreement between the U.S. and Germany. So just they, they kind of establish this concept and then all, all the other nations 
contribute with what's called VNCs, Voluntary Contributing Nations, and they volunteer to staff that school. What did you think about Germany when you first moved here? Was it very different from when you were just visiting for a month? And I, I don't know, I just said just visiting for a month, but that's a long time to be here. You know, it's funny about that. Is So I used to come here with a team of uh, six people. When I moved here permanently, I moved here simultaneously to a trip that they were taking from Arizona that I had become accustomed with. So we all arrived at the same time. We all like hung out. And I remember when we were traveling, we would collect per diem, which is basically a daily rate of money. Uh, so you could spend money pretty, uh, <laughs> you know, pretty free. You, know, you were free with uh, spending money because you, you would get it back when you returned home. So I was spending money going out, enjoying our time. And then they all went home. And I stayed. And it was, uh, it was quite the experience. I, I had to realize, wow, not only am I broke, but second, uh, I'm not going anywhere. This is, this is where I am now. You're yeah, broken, you're not... stuck. Yeah, it was an eye-opening experience. Sure. Did you have to learn German? No, it wasn't required because where I've worked, I've worked in places that have had well over 10, 11 nations represented there. So for the most part, like my first job, I actually worked every day with a French guy and then the rest were American. So, you know, we spoke English at work. Uh, you know, I learned a little bit of, you know, one word of French, one, you know, two words of Italian, <laughs> one of Norwegian. So you want a little about a lot, but not a lot about anything. And now you're an Uberlingen, which you told me has 10 to 15 other Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the number of Americans is really low. Yeah, the expat community is actually really low as well because when you walk around Oberlingen, I'm sure you've been there. I think you you can kind of attest to this that you walk around and you you hear German, and even the tourists during the summer season uh, are are primarily Germans coming from the north northern Germany to visit the Bodensee. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's for anyone who doesn't know, Oberling is this fairly tiny town um, and it's right on the Bodensee at the very very southern part of Germany and so yeah it's not really a, a place that it's gonna attract a hugely international crowd beyond that and I love it's one of my favorite places to visit I think it's got so much charm and beauty yeah, yeah. but I, I don't know I was telling you before we started recording like this whole podcast is in large part this paranoia that I have that I'm like what if I had moved to Uberling or somewhere similar to it. And I've had a tough time adjusting to life in Germany over the past year and a half. And I've been in Freiburg, which is hugely international, has a lot of specifically American infrastructure. And I'm just like, what the heck would I have done to survive like emotionally and psychologically if I hadn't had the support? One of the things that I would have wanted then would have been something like this to, you know, feel less alone and feel like oh, other people are going through different things, but similar things. So you're kind of living like my deep paranoid life. <laughs> well, I that. You yeah. seem to be you seem to be rocking it. You, I mean, you seem OK. <laughs> I don't know. Is that true or not? <laughs> no, I'll tell you, it is difficult. And one of the main difficulties that I faced being in Uberlinge specifically, because when I lived in Oberammergau area, the, the international community really stuck together and we were very connected. And the support was there, as you described, in Freiburg. 
And then I moved to Birkenfeld. And Birkenfeld is very close to a town called Kaiserslautern. And Kaiserslautern is a place in Germany that has the largest American contingent in Germany. So you walk around Kaiserslautern, you might as well be in the States. It's, it's very, very, very uh, familiar as far as being an American. And then, you know, you, you move to a place like Uberlingen, and there is nothing. There is no expat community. It's very small. And the largest, the, the, the biggest factor that I have had difficulties with living in Uberlingen is the difference in culture as it, as it correlates with openness to strangers and kindness to strangers. So I've heard a lot of my European friends tell me that Americans have fake smiles. They always smile and ask how you're doing and they don't even care. You know, and I've thought about this a lot and I've actually spoken to a lot of my friends from Europe and told them, you're right, you know, Americans are a little surface, you know, oriented. They're not very deep when it comes to relationships. But I have changed my mind since then. <laughs> and what has made me change my mind is that I've gone on a few trips back to the States and I've been a little more observant uh, during my times in the States now because I've been away for seven years. So it's quite a while for a person to start feeling foreign in their own country. So I'm, I'm observant. And what I observe is in the States, it's very common to go out into public places and when you observe around, you can just see and hear strangers meeting other strangers, like just groups interacting amongst each other, people saying, hey, where are you from? How are you? Hey, how's it going? What is that food that you just ordered? How is it? Is it good? Would you recommend it? All these interactions are common. And when you're in Germany and I go out in Uberlingen, I observe and I see a lot of clicks. Just different groups conversing, talking, but nobody is intermixing amongst groups. And, and, and this is something that I've struggled to get used to because I enjoy the interactions with strangers. I enjoy the, the hey, you know, we might never speak again, but you know what? For the next 20 minutes while we're at Applebee's bar, we're going to have a great conversation. And then I won't even hear your name possibly and I'll leave and have a good time where that just it doesn't happen here in Germany, at least from my experience. You had me until Applebee's. Applebee's, <laughs> <laughs> Applebee's is my personal American hell. <laughs> I think it's like the, the epitome of all things sad. But anyway, my opinions on Applebee's aside. <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right. I remember when I was leaving Chicago, I had only been there two years. I had a very specific group of friends that was maybe like five people and then maybe another 10 in the, the wider circle. But under five that I was actually close with but I went through my phone and deleted like 50 phone numbers from people that I was like who is this person but it's because you go to a bar you go to a party you talk to someone you you connect you find some way to connect and it's fun and exciting and you exchange numbers and you're like we're totally gonna hang out and be best friends and you never talk again but I don't find that cheap in the way that I think some people think that's cheap I think it's fun and it's nice and I'm like you know what most of the time I like strangers better than people, you know, like <laughs> I'm a very, like I said, I, I like to keep my friend circles close. There's a small number of people who know me very well, but I love people and I'm fascinated by people and I love getting to know people. And in America, you could get to know people off the bat 
Because if you ask them something, they'll answer. So I would get made fun of by my friends because I would sit down at a bar and be just like, tell me your life story. And I loved that. And here, I I remember the, the World Cup this year, we were watching at, at a public viewing the Germany game against South Korea was, right? Where they got knocked out. Yeah, it was yeah. a huge upset. We sat down at this table with this other young couple because there was nowhere else to sit. But we ended up talking, had some commonalities, had some common friends, whatever. We had a we had a great time with them, and we went through this emotional experience of watching Germany lose to South Korea. And I remember feeling so awkward at the end, where I was like, "I'm I'm waiting for that moment where you say, you know, let's meet up or exchange numbers or give any indication that the past." two hours we just spent together meant anything mm-hmm. but i think for some people in germany it's like it doesn't mean anything and maybe they're right like i mean obviously i didn't hang out with those people in chicago that i had those experiences with but yeah for me i liked that and for me that was an, an element of real connection and here it's like gotta dig you gotta find your way into these people and i i don't know i'm still really new and i don't know that i've figured out how to do that yet do you feel like yeah. you ever got to a point where you could be like you could find your way through them? No, because, you know, it was really, it was explained to me very well by a German friend of mine. And, and it makes a lot of sense the way he described it to me. But still, th- there isn't a key to, to solve this puzzle. But, <laughs> but, but basically, he told me that Germans, when they make friends, it's serious to them. You know, it's not a, 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 a service-oriented or, or anything less than deep relationship that requires effort, time, and energy. And Germans are just not willing to give up the time, energy, and effort necessary to build friendships for nothing. So they kind of keep their distance until somebody proves or is able to be consistent enough that kind of earns their trust. And then they open up and you have a friend for life. Where I understand this perspective But at the same time, when I think about my comfort zone being an American, I would much rather you just be kind from the start. And if we don't end up being close friends, then great. But if we end up being close friends, it was cool from the beginning. And it was a pleasant experience from the beginning, not a cold shoulder. To to me, I'd much rather want kindness. And I'll give you a quick example as far as how it's affected me. Because this is why a reason I'm kind of wanting to go back to the States is because I'm feeling like it's affecting me negatively. And I'll give examples. We were in Slovenia, my son and I, and my son needed to go to the bathroom. And he, my son asked me, hey, dad, I'll just go into one of these restaurants and ask. And I told him, hey, son, they're going to say no. Like, you can't go into a restaurant and just ask for the bathroom for nothing. Like, you have to buy something. They're going to say no. And I was like, let's just look for a, a public bathroom. So we walked around for like a half hour looking for one. He had to hold it the whole time. And we couldn't find one. So finally, he was like, Dad, I really got to go. And I was like, all right, well, just be prepared to say no. And maybe we find a tree or something and you just have to (laughs) be real quick. So he goes in the restaurant and they were like, sure, yeah, the bathroom's in the back. And I was like, oh, we're not in Germany. I realized how jaded am I and how prepared and my expectations of people to be mean and to turn me away and rejection it's just a default setting now in my head. So like if I walk into a store and people are like, no, you can't come in here and do that. You must leave. I'm not upset. I'm not mad. It's just, it was ex- expected. Oh, and I, I feel like this is wrong. Like you, you should expect people to be kind. Yeah. You, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't make this the norm. And I feel like a lot of portions 
in areas in Germany, this attitude is normal. Uh, I don't like that. When I, I, I've noticed that one of the biggest differences that I've seen and I've, I've experienced over the years, especially in the, in the military organizations, is in problem solving. So like Americans will have a problem or a conflict and they're willing to apply a 70% solution just to get something done. They know it's not going to work, but we don't care. Let's just do something, apply an answer or a solution to this problem, and then we'll adjust. And Germans uh, don't work that way <laughs> at all. This is very, very reckless to them. It's very careless because a lot of times uh, when we work through problems with our German counterparts, they'll tell us, no, we really need to analyze this a little bit more. And, and Americans are like, we don't want to analyze anything. We're just going to get uh, you know, paralysis through analysis. Just move, forward motion. And, and that's something that we have been unable to kind of come and align with. And I prefer the, the American approach. I prefer there's a problem and we are in a business or an organization that's supposed to be moving forward. Let's just apply some solutions. I mean, not every solution is going to be successful. And we know that. Right. And for me, so many times I'm like, well, you find out what's not working when you do it and something doesn't work. And <laughs> right. And most of the time, something, some part of that thing will work. It's just a matter of then, you know, paying attention to it. We love watching statistics so that we can analyze at that point, right after the fact, okay, yeah. how, how can we tweak things? But having everything figured out ahead of time is not a thing that I thrive on at all. <laughs> and right. in some ways right now, I'm excited about the opportunity to grow in that way and like to be challenged in those directions because it's probably a good life skill. I, I read an article recently about businesses uh, between the U.S. and Germany. And they, they say that in Germany, they, they're actually bringing in consultants and there's some companies trying to spread the American entrepreneurial spirit and bring it to Germany, but they're failing miserably. And what, what they found uh, was because in Germany, when a business is started, it typically succeeds, and it's not looked at upon favorably if you fail. Hmm. Where in America, every business is expected to fail at least five times before they make it. So <laughs> if you're an entre entrepreneur in, in, in the States, you expect to fail like you 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 don't even project success at all if it's your first run at it where here in germany if it's your first run at a business you are expected to succeed you are expected and it's quite shameful if you don't so it's 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 quite a difference and you mentioned um that you're starting to think in a business direction right so is that oh factoring into your outlook on your future in, in Germany versus going back to the States? Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to open my own business and here in, in, in Europe, kind of how I view things. And, and maybe I, I, I may be a little off on this, but this is this is what I see. So what I see when it comes to business in Germany is I've gone to probably well into the hundreds of bakeries, German bakeries. And when you go to one bakery, you've gone to a mall. I mean, like they all sell the same things, fairly similar prices, same service, same with ice cream shops, same with Italian restaurants, same with German restaurants. I mean, it's, it's all very, very, very similar. The only time you get a, a large variety is if you go to the larger cities 
in the more international communities. So for me, I see businesses here maintaining status quo. Uh, you're not going to, you, you'll make it, you'll make a living and you'll make a good living. You're just not going to make a great living. You're not going to be able to break that ceiling and, 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 and peak and make huge business for yourself. Where in the States, I feel that possibility is much higher and, and you have larger amounts of opportunity to not just make it, but to make it, you know, like to make it really big. Yeah, it's a whole high risk, high reward mindset. Whereas here, the mindset is the Mittelstand, like the the strong middle of the road, middle class. Yes, exactly. And I don't want that. If I open a business, (laughs) I want to. I want to make it. And how? So you have a son, right? I do. How's that played into this whole life abroad? (laughs) Well, he loves it here. He's still in his honeymoon phase, as I like to call it. Uh, where because I was when I first moved to Germany, I was in love with everything, and I actually felt like I was going to stay here forever. How long My, did that last? About three years. So for the first three to four years, I had every plan to stay here forever. But honestly, uh, I moved here in 2012, January, and Germany has changed quite a bit from 2012 to now. It's changed a lot, and um, my son is in love with it, of course, and I like it here. I still do. I just feel like at this point in my life now with my aspirations for professionally and what, what I had in Uberlingen is I had a time to focus on myself, focus inward and professionally develop myself. And, I, and I've already done that. So, I mean, I'm going to continue to do it. But <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah. Self-actualization realized. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> How long has your son been here? He's been here two years now. That's yeah, long enough he where he knows he knows what he's dealing with in, in you know in this place. I think he likes it here because he still likes the mystique and the I don't know, the, the, the uniqueness of being able to say I live in a different country I live abroad. Because when I ask him why do you like it here and why do you wanna live here and stay here uh, longer, he just tells me because I wanna live in a different country. So I was like, okay, it could be in Mexico. We could live in Canada. He's doing it for the gram. He's doing it for the <laughs> the, the, the yeah. steam on social media to be like, my friends from high school don't even know about donor kebab, but me here in Europe. <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> so my boyfriend also grew up with parents who were divorced and living in America and in Germany. And I guess it's a mixed bag, but it also opens the world in a way that it's impossible if you'd stayed exactly where you were, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's the thing is, I, I, yeah, we spent the last 20 minutes or whatever it was talking about all the negative aspects of living here. <laughs> I don't need to be all negative on Germans. I really, you know, I love Germany and, I, I, and, and there's a lot of things that are great about living here. And one of the great things about living abroad is just it widens your horizons on life. It widens your horizons like now – since I, I've, I've traveled as much as I have, when I hear people say it's a small world, I always think, uh, no, it's not. One thing I was also just thinking about, you did friendships the German way. You, you joined, you, you had an interest in something, and then you joined an interest and made friends through this jujitsu, right? I did. So I did. how did that aspect of life change or influence your time here? It, it, it increased, enhanced my experience here a uh, hundred times over. If I didn't have jujitsu, I would have no friends. Um, I've tried to make friends, but it's so awkward as an adult to walk up to a stranger and say, hey, man, will you just be my friend? Maybe <laughs> jujitsu or that, that outlet 
you know, enables you to meet people indirectly and then later directly and just you, you continue to build on those relationships. And I have the issue where I'm a very introverted person and all of my interests are very alone. Like I like reading. I like going on hikes and I don't have a sport. I feel like the sport's the best one because you're getting physical activity, you're getting um, friendship. It's somehow this like solid thing. I, you know what I'm saying? I don't feel like the social aspect is a necessary aspect of the thing I'm doing. Whereas sports and jujitsu, like you need at least one other person there. You do, you do. But I'll tell you, there is a there is a line with jujitsu. Even like here's the tough part when you're talking about sports is distinguishing or not distinguishing, but realizing that it's really a friendship and not just a, a jujitsu thing. So like when you meet. You're always talking about jiu-jitsu. You're always doing jiu-jitsu. And so for me anyway, personally, it gets to a point where I'm thinking, you know, are we friends or are we, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or like if I don't do jiu-jitsu anymore, like say tomorrow I wake up and I say, I don't want to do jiu-jitsu anymore. Are we still going to talk or are we done? How do you think it would have been if you had moved to this like Uberling small town, no other foreigners right away? Because do you still, do you still speak English with the people that you do? have in in your life in Uberling? I mean, for the most part, my friends now are are other Americans now. So I hang out with my colleagues from work. And yeah, I'm just feeling a lot more comfortable because, you know, I found is uh, I work with an Italian and uh, I'm not saying all Italians are this way, but this Italian is this way. He's very, very negative about everything. He's problem first and it starts to rub off and gets contagious. And I hang out with Americans now because we're the happy-go-lucky people. We're the people that are just super uh, bouncy and positive about everything. And I, I really like that. I, I enjoy being positive. I like to smile yeah. as opposed to thinking about the grim future or reality or whatever. <laughs> oh, man. I said something the other day. Okay, this is this is a good example because I feel like 2018 has been a mostly crap year. And I feel like I've been pretty blatant about that with a lot of people that I talk to. And a lot of other people have been like, yeah, 2018 kind of sucked. But I've had this feeling in my gut for months now that 2019 is about to be just great for a whole bunch of people, (laughs) which is mostly an irrational thought, but it's a nice thought. And I said (laughs) this to someone and I thought I was being fairly, okay, not pessimistic, but a bit more realistic being like 2018 sucks, but 2019 is going to be great. And they were just like, ah, well, you are young and American. So you think you have, you have optimism in your heart. Yeah. And I was like, no, I thought I was I thought I was not being optimistic. I thought I was not being American, but I guess that is still not a thing that um, the guy, the Italian guy at your workplace or most of the Germans that either of us work with would ever express just pointless optimism for no reason. <laughs> right. right. And I enjoy that pointless op- optimism. I think it's very necessary in life. Do you so. get verbose culture shock when you go back though? Because I've had issues where I, I feel like people are sometimes having a harder time getting to that deeper level that I want. And I am definitely an extroverted person. I, I feel more comfortable around people than I do by myself. When I went back to the States, my recent trip there was in uh, September of this year. I went to North Carolina and I was actually scared. I went back and I thought, wow, like what am I going to do? How am I going to interact? Because here... I have found that I feel like I'm socially awkward now. Like I don't feel like I know how to start a conversation or how to make people feel comfortable when I interact with them as, as a stranger. So I went back to the States and within the 10 days I was there, I made two male friends and I made a female friend that I still talk to now. And it was so easy. 
it was so smooth. Like every person that I engaged gave me positive feedback. They were, hey, how's it going? You know, it was just, it made me miss it even more. Huh. <laughs> you know, because then I made, I realized, you know, like, hey, I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten how to interact with people. I just, you know, I just have been out of my element or I've been in an environment where it's just not normal to meet people as a stranger. It's not normal. Uh, and, I, and I've accepted that. It just, it's not the norm here. It's not how people meet people. People typically meet through others. You don't meet somebody just going up to someone out of the blue and saying, hi, how are you? You know what I mean? Because then yeah. you get weird looks, you know, and they don't want to talk to you. So. I've had so many issues with issues. I've had moments where I just really like to be appreciative and thankful and nice to people who do services for me on the regular. So like the ladies, um, it's actually just ladies that work at the Lidl right by me at the checkout. You know, I see them all the time. They check out my groceries and I just always want to be like, hey, how you doing? Like, thanks for doing that. Back in October when, when it was Halloween, I'd bought candy because I was like, this year I'm going to reverse trick or treat. I'm going to hand out candy to other people because otherwise it's not going to happen. And I bought it at Lidl and I thought, hey, I should give these people some candy and say, hey, I'm from America. It's Halloween. And I had to like, I had to pause and be like, First off, they don't have time because they're speed checking out people's groceries like it's a sport. And second off, they would not probably find that nice. They would find that weird. And that was kind of a bummer. And then I got on the train and I like to thank the people on my way out of the train. Say, danke, schon Tag noch, have a great day, whatever. Um, and I do do that sometimes, but mostly it's become a game because it's funny to watch them like get confused and sort of offended, right? Where they're like, huh? <laughs> But those little things always make me so happy to do. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I can't, uh, I could do them here. They just don't have the same meaning, which is what I was enjoying. And that's what it is. It's the difference. At work, we call it, it's a joke. It might be a bad joke, distasteful, but we call it the glode, G-L-O-D, the German look of disapproval. (laughs) (laughs) All the Americans at work say you get the glode every time you do anything. Yeah. You get the glode. I love that. I'm going to start using that. (laughs) Yeah. Because, yeah, it's not quite disgust. Right. It's just disapproval. It's disapproval. (laughs) Yeah. But it is through virtue of being in a place where you're not the norm, certain aspects of your personality are subdued and then certain other identities are pushed onto you whether you wanted them or not. And, And that can just get exhausting. So I can understand why when you're back in... North Carolina or anywhere in the States, and you can be an extroverted, social, friendly person. You know, you can't really be those things. It's, it's a lot more work to be what you naturally are here due to various yeah, well, barriers. So, I can give you a really easy example. Is when I was back in North Carolina, I was, again, once I established that I'm not socially awkward, I was <laughs> talking to everybody. I took every opportunity that I had just to speak to people. And what I would do often is I'd go into a restaurant and I would see somebody eating something that looked good to me and I would say, hey, you know, what is that? What did you order? Whatever, I would just strike up a conversation. I tried it here in Germany. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and I no. just got to look like I was crazy. <laughs> I didn't say a word. The guy didn't say a word to me. And I was like, okay, like, enjoy your meal. Like, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm drunk, I guess, but I was. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but sure, if that's what we need to say to make this a, a social situation that's okay, then great. I'm wasted. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's where I realize it's just different. That's all. I mean, and, and here you get meaningful relationships, but, you know, what, what I've also found, too, is language being a barrier. Like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when people's language level is decent, but it doesn't cross that threshold of deep conversation. You know what I mean? Like meaningful, like the conversations remain. I, I mean, how many times have you spoken to, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming now that you've had these similar experiences, but I've probably had well over a hundred conversations about Trump. Oh God, and yeah. Typically they're conversations that really aren't deep at all. They're just, yeah, Trump bad, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what they are. They're, this is my 10-minute rant on why why I know for a fact that these things are true <laughs> from the German people. <laughs> like, it's not me being like, well, here's how I feel. It's like them just being like, I feel like it is dumb and here's why for 12 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> well, good. Okay, with that, we're going to round the corner and head to home then and get to our ending segment, which is Zach, Zach, Zach. So it is a rapid fire question round. I'm going to ask you three questions and you're going to answer them without thinking them, overthinking them. Just go with your gut. You ready? Okay. All right. I feel like everyone has this certain town or city in the world where it's their happy place. Like maybe it's not the best place or the place they want to live, but it's their happy place. And every time they go, they're happy. Where's your happy place? I would say Amsterdam. Ooh. Be honest. Do you ever miss cheap, bad American beer? Of course. Which one? Uh, Budweiser, Bud Light. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Very American. <laughs> All right. Um, and who is your favorite MMA fighter? Oh, Vanderlei Silva. Huh? That's it. And- Vanderlei Silva. Yeah, he doesn't fight anymore. He's an older fighter, but wonderful guy. He, he fought with everything. He took all the risks. It was all or nothing with him. He either lost big or won big. That was it. There was no middle. I appreciated that. Cool. Good. Those are his axe, axe, axe. You were very rapid. You were very rapid. Very impressive. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you so much. I know it's your in in Istanbul right now. It's like 10 p.m. or later. So thank you for staying up late and talking to us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you, Joe, again for coming on and sharing your thoughts with us. I know it's not always the easiest thing to do, especially when we're talking about the more complicated things that maybe we don't love so much about life here. So thank you again, Joe, for coming on and expressing yourself so wonderfully. I am really excited to hear what you guys think, listeners. Do you identify as more introverted or extroverted? Which one do you think is more conducive to living a life in Germany? And if you are a German listening who expatriated to a different country, I think it would be so interesting to hear how you identify and how it's been going for you anders home, <laughs> the other way around. So as I said, I'm going to put up a poll on social media. Please come give us a comment, give us a vote. You can find us on social media at the expatcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. Thank you as always to Gordon Eisenach, my partner in podcasting and in life, and to Amy Lungi Art for the logo, as well as Side Hug for the theme music. And they're on Instagram too at a hug from the side. We'll be back in your feeds next Thursday to talk about one of my very favorite things in the whole wide world, and that is reading. <laughs>